0: Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast, episode 34, The War of Independence. Making use of the revolution that had taken place in Germany, the Russian government canceled all the treaties it had concluded with the Germans and started preparations for restoring the previous borders of its empire. Simultaneously, they hoped to initiate revolutions in other European countries which would provide armed assistance for the Red Army. In November 1918, the Red Army concentrated considerable forces on the Estonian border. The invasion was to take place in two directions, from Narva towards Tallinn and from Peskov towards Voru and Volga. The intervention about to begin was intended to be camouflaged as civil war using Estonian Bolsheviks who had escaped into Russia from the German occupation. The Estonian Provisional Revolutionary Committee, which had been formed in Petrograd, proclaimed itself the only legal institution of power in Estonia and called for restoration of Soviet power in Estonia. All Estonian communist rifle regiments fighting on the fronts in Russia were transferred to Narva. The basic forces of the Red Army on the Estonian border still consisted of Russian and Latvian units, altogether about 12,000 men. They were opposed by German units, which were making preparations for returning home, and groups of the Estonian Defense League. The call by the Provisional Government of Estonia for volunteers to the Estonian National Army brought together only a couple of thousand men. The compulsory mobilization, which began at the beginning of December, could not provide quick results, as there there was a shortage of everything, weapons, ammunition, uniforms, footwear, foodstuffs, and so on. They pleaded for assistance to governments of Finland and Great Britain as well as negotiations with the leaders of the German Occupation Army and the northern Corps of the Russian White Guard, formed in Pskov, held out only vague hopes. The German army repulsed an attack on Narva by the Red Army on the 22nd of November, but at the same time, this hastened Germany's departure from Estonia. A couple of days later, the Germans yielded Pskov. To the Russians, increasing the threat to the southern border of Estonia. The government sent all the forces at its command to Narva, officers, volunteers, even schoolboys from Tallinn, who were ready to sacrifice their lives for Estonia despite their having no military training. On the 28th of November, the Estonian War of Independence began. Within several hours, the Bolshevik attacks were successfully repulsed at Narva. But when the Germans started to leave their positions, the superior enemy forces forced the Estonians to retreat. On the following day, the Red Army marched into Narva. In December 1918, the swift advance of the Red Army through Estonian territory continued. The Bolsheviks invaded one town after another, Jofi, Kunda, Rokferi, Tapa, and Aigvidu in the north, Voru, Volga, Tartu, Torva, and Moisekula in the south. By the beginning of the new year, the front was dangerously close to Tallinn, Paide, Pulsama, Viljandi, and Pernu. The reasons for failure of the Estonian National Army were due to the superior number of enemy forces. An insufficient amount of weapons and equipment, the absence of a rational system of leadership, and the low fighting morale of the men. The number of deserters were large, as people grew tired of fighting, and they found it hard to believe that the little Estonian country could fight the huge Russians. After the seizure of Narva, the Estonian Bolsheviks stepped forward and formed the Estonian Workers' Commune which developed into an autonomous unit within Soviet Russia. Leadership of the territory of the ETK passed into the hands of the Commune Council, headed by Jan Anvelt. The Council continued the policy the Bolsheviks had implemented before the German occupation. Once more, large enterprises and banks were nationalized, while the estates confiscated from their owners were formed into agricultural cooperatives, or communes. Political opposition was repressed. The number of those who lost their lives through the Red Terror was more than 500. The church and religious organizations were discredited. The only country to recognize the independence of the ETK was Soviet Russia, as it gave them a chance to present the Intervention as a civil war between the Estonian bourgeoisie and workers. In reality, the ETK followed orders from Moscow and was not able to uphold its opinion even in minor disputes with leadership of the Red Army. During the last days of 1918, the situation began to change. The advance of the Red Army slowed, and it seemed increasingly difficult for them to seize further towns. Counterattacks by the Estonian National Army were more and more successful, which considerably reduced the enemy's freedom of action. Especially successful were the armored trains, active on the Tallinn-Narva railway line. A landing by Estonian naval forces led by Johan Pitka in the rear of the Bolsheviks with the aid of Great Britain on the coast of the Gulf of Finland created panic amongst them. The number of soldiers in the Estonian army grew, and at the beginning of January, it reached 13,000. The more the people understood about the goals of the Bolsheviks, the less they deserted from the National Army. Alongside the recruited units, units of volunteers were formed. Their fighting morale was high, and their action more effective. The most famous among them were the Kalav Laste Unit compiled of members of the Kalav Sports Society, the Kuperyanov Partisan Battalion, consisting of the members of Tartu Kaitseleit, the Scout Battalion formed in Viliandi District, and also the units formed of school pupils and the crews of the armored trains. Leadership of the army was reorganized. Initially, leaders of each military unit had acted according to their own discretion. Now they were subjected to the Commander-in-Chief of the Army. Johann Leidener, became the Commander-in-Chief, and Jan Soetz became his Chief of Staff. Although a guerrilla strategy was widely used in the War of Independence, the role of the centralized command grew gradually and made it possible to achieve more extensive military success. The Army's equipment also improved. They received horses, sledges, clothes, and food and donations from people, but these were also commandeered. Weapons were also received from abandoned stores, as well as from Finland and Britain. The fighting morale was supported by the fact that that Estonia did not face Soviet Russia alone, but could count on foreign aid. In December, a British naval squadron arrived in Tallinn which prevented the Bolsheviks' plan to attack the Estonian capital by sea. By the end of the year, the first voluntary Finnish units arrived at the front. There were volunteers from Denmark and Sweden as well. At the same time, the conditions of the Red Army deteriorated. The increasing distance from their base slowed down the arrival of supplies. Soldiers who were constantly in action became tired. Recruits of nationalities other than Russian did not understand the aims of the war. General weariness of the war increased. The higher command of the Red Army considered the fate of Estonia settled and it did not send reinforcements. On January 6, 1919, the counterattack of the Estonian army began. On its main line from Tallinn to Narva, Armored trains operated effectively. The resistance of the Bolsheviks was overcome. It took the Estonian army six days to move from Aigvidu to Rokferi, a distance of 85 kilometers, where they continued the advance. On the 19th of January, a unit that landed on the coast of Inutria liberated Narva. The armored trains could not go further than Rokferi because of broken bridges. So they turned to the south, and in cooperation with the Kupriyanov partisans, they liberated Tartu on the 14th of January. After that, the advance of the southern front halted for some time, as the Red Army leadership sent Latvian communist units as reinforcements. In the process of fierce battles, Estonian units finally managed to liberate Volga and Voru on the 1st of February, and Pechari three days later. The Estonian territory was cleared of enemy troops and the military activity moved into Latvian and Russian areas. The military success of the Estonian army made the commanders of the Red Army reconsider their earlier views. In February, 75,000 to 80,000 soldiers were assembled to fight against Estonia. On the Peskov line, an Estonian Red Army was formed, mainly consisting of Russian units, but with the aim of proving once more that the war was a civil war in its character. August Kork was appointed as chief of staff of this army. The main battle activities, which started in February, took place on the southern front, as its length of 300 kilometers and landscape rich in hills and lakes did not allow organization of unbroken defense lines. From February to May, the unit of Red Army, which outnumbered the Estonian National Army, frequently broke through the defensive line, giving rise to critical situations. The Bolsheviks managed temporarily temporarily to occupy Petsuri, Saline, Rapina, Ruhja, and Heineste. Their advance guard even succeeded in reaching as far as one and a half kilometers from the railway station in Voru. In fierce battles on the Vastelina, Orova and Roge-Hanya lines, the speedy advance of the Red Army was stopped. By mid-May, the initiative had passed back into the hands of the Estonian army. At the same time, it was relatively calm on the Viru front. Estonian soldiers built fortifications on the line of the Narva River. Without clear-cut attack plans, the Bolsheviks destroyed a relatively large area of Narva with their artillery fire. The Joaoru quarter burnt down and more than 2,000 people were left homeless. The most essential task for the Estonian Republic was to improve the economic situation. The country devastated by war and revolutions, was on the verge of collapse. The supply of grain for food lasted only until the end of February. The bread ration was reduced to 140 grams per person per day. It was not until March that the situation began to improve, when the first grain shipment arrived from Britain. Estonia also received a loan from Finland, Several states opened credit lines for Estonia to import their goods. Economic improvement and success on the front increased the reputation of the government, and provided a better ground to fight local Bolsheviks, who presented a serious danger. The activities of the Bolsheviks were coordinated by the Viktor Kingisup, who had remained in Estonia illegally. An attempt to organize a rebellion in Tallinn. In the middle of December 1918, which would have enabled the Red Army to occupy the capital of Estonia, was discovered in time and eliminated. In spite of this, the Bolsheviks continued to propagate resistance. The most tragic event was the revolt in Sarama in February 1919. The inhabitants of Sarama had already been cut off the mainland for a long period. Since October of 1917. The economic hardship they had to face therefore made them receptive to the Bolshevik propaganda, which told them the government was a tool in the hands of the Baltic Germans. The Bolsheviks managed to initiate a rebellion among the fresh recruits. The punitive detachment sent by the government to normalize the situation had to uh, employ extremely repressive tactics. After gaining victory over the Bolsheviks at the front as well as in the rear, the government found it necessary to call together the Constituent Assembly, which would finally determine the future development of Estonia. Elections to the first Estonian legislature took place at the beginning of April 1919. The people's representatives assembled for their first meeting in the Estonian Concert Hall On the 23rd of April. In the elections, the left wing parties were successful. The Estonian Social Democrat Workers' Party achieved the biggest representation. The left wing Labour Party followed it. The People's Party also received many votes. The Rural Party, headed by Konstantin Pets, suffered a serious defeat. A socialist, August Rey, was elected chairman of the Constituent Assembly. The first government replacing the provisional government was formed by Otto Strandman, from the Labour Party. The Constituent Assembly adopted a Declaration of Independence of Estonia and determined the transitional form of government. The next essential step was to prepare basic laws. The Agrarian Law was passed in October 1919. In the middle of July 1920, the Constituent Assembly adopted the Constitution of the Estonian Republic. In order to ensure Estonian security, the Army Command decided to move military activities outside of Estonian territory. This would give an opportunity to leave the fight against the Red Army to Russian, Ingrian, and Latvian national units and to withdraw the Estonian regiments to the border of Estonia. The first to advance was the Russian Northern Corps. Estonian units gave support in the form of landing on the coast. Due to the low fighting morale of the Red Army, the attack was surprisingly successful. Jomberg, Godov, and Valasovo were occupied. An Ingrian unit, which operated within the National Corps, temporarily occupied a strong fort at the Krasnaya Gorka. The artillery located there gave them an opportunity to fire at the naval base of Kronstadt. Thereafter, Estonian units launched an attack near Peskov. Taking advantage of the renegade units of the Estonian Communist Rifle Division, the Estonian National Army advanced quickly forcing the Bolsheviks to cross the Velikia River and occupied Peskov. The territories inhabited by the Russians were given over to the administration of the Northern Corps, which became the major military force in the region. On the southern front, another successful operation was carried through. Its initial aim had been to occupy Valmira and Aluxne. The breakthrough by the Estonian cavalry was more extensive than expected. Due to the retreat of the Red Army, the military of the advance was two hundred kilometers from Vuru to Jekabpils. through the majority of Latvia was cleared of Bolsheviks. The provisional government of Latvia, headed by Karlis Ulmanis, had serious difficulties in defending its independence. As the National Rifle Regiment formed earlier had joined the Bolsheviks, they had to ask for assistance from the Germans. Thus, the main defenders of Latvia became the Baltic Landeswehr, which consisted of Baltic Germans and the Iron Division formed of German volunteers. Their activities were coordinated by German General Rudiger von der Gulls. He had far-reaching plans supported by the Baltic Germans. In April, the Germans organized a coup d'état, and replaced the Almanis government with the German-minded government led by Andrievs Niedra. After occupying Riga, the Germans should have turned to the east to follow the retreating Bolsheviks, but instead they turned north, and attacked the advance units of the Estonian National Army near Sesis in the first days of June. The aim of the Germans was to subject as large an area of Latvia as possible to the Niedra government. The command of the Estonian army had an agreement with the cabinet of Ulmanis and did not recognize the puppet government of Niedra. They demanded the withdrawal of the Germans. The armed encounter that took place at the beginning of June grew into a serious military conflict. In a fierce battle near Sessis, which lasted for four days, the national army beat back the regiments of Vondergauls. The day of occupation of Sessis, 23rd of June, has since been celebrated as Estonia's Victory Day. The Germans were also followed to Riga, and it was only intervention by the Western Allies that kept Riga from being occupied by the Estonian army. The armistice which was concluded, forced the Germans to abandon their plans. It also marked a victory by Estonians over their longtime occupiers. In Latvia, the government of Ulmanis returned to power. In the summer of 1919, military activity continued outside the borders of Estonia. Its main burden was borne by the Russian White Guard. Unfortunately, the leadership of the Northwestern Army, formerly the Northern Corps, was not able to get the support of the civilians, which weakened its military force and continuous Red Army attacks forced it to withdraw towards Estonia. To prevent the transfer of military activity into Estonia, more and more Estonian military units were committed to the battles on Russian territory the majority of Estonian soldiers did not want to risk their lives in Russia. The more so since the leadership of the Northwestern Army did not hide their resentment of the independence of Estonia. They promised to destroy the Potato Republic as soon as the united and indivisible forces of Russia were restored. At the same time, the government of Russia expressed their wish to end the war. The Estonian Workers' Commune Council was dissolved and the Estonian Communist Rifle Regiment was taken to other fronts of the Russian Civil War. In this way, Moscow admitted that the War of Independence was actually a war between two different countries, Estonia and Russia, and as such, unlike a civil war, could be finished by a mutual treaty of the states. At the end of August, a telegram arrived in Tallinn from the Russian People's Commissar for Foreign Affairs, Georgi Chechurin, offering to start peace talks. The peace talks, which took place in the middle of September in Peskov, ended without any results as the Entente country still hoped to overthrow Soviet power and were not interested in small states leaving, leaving the war. Other small states, such as Finland, Latvia, and Lithuania, did not join Estonia in its efforts, but Estonian politicians did not dare to conclude a separate peace with Russia. In October, the Northwestern Army launched a wide-ranging offensive in order to occupy Petrograd. In spite of increasing tension, the Russian White Guard, Estonian military units, supported the attack from the flanks. The Estonian Navy carried out several landings on the south coast of the Gulf of Finland, and its 2nd and 3rd Divisions were active on the fronts of Piskov and Pilatavo ostrov A counterattack by the Red Army in the Pulkova Hills indicated the start of the defeat of the Northwestern Army. The demoralized Russian troops straggled to Estonia. The government decided to disarm the Northwestern Army. This relieved Estonia of an unpleasant ally, but also meant that Estonian military forces had to take over the defense of all of Estonian borders. In October, an incident in Latvia demonstrated that German threat had not left the Baltic countries entirely just yet. Under the leadership of Pavel Bermont Avalov, voluntary units consisting of Germans and Russians launched an offensive on Riga. They occupied the south banks of the Daugava River. In this desperate situation, the Ulmanis government asked for Estonian help. Two armored trains were sent to Riga and helped to eliminate the danger presented by Bermont's units. By mid-November, the Red Army had reached the defenses near Narva. In the battle for the positions the Estonian army, which was in the minority and worse equipped, was forced to withdraw step by step. The Soviet army headquarters had decided to occupy Narva at any cost and had assembled an army of 160,000 soldiers with more than 200 artillery pieces near Narva. The Estonian side also mobilized all its reserves and by the first days of December, the first Bolshevik attack attacks had been repelled. At the beginning of December, peace talks began in Tartu. In order to support the claims of the Russian delegation, the Russian army began a new attack on Narva. By the middle of the month, the situation in Krivaso and Vaska had become serious because the Bolsheviks had broken through the front were about to cut off the connecting routes between Narva and Tallinn and isolate the defenders of Narva from the rest of Estonia. By paying a high price in casualties, the Estonian army managed to eliminate the danger. After the Petrograd operation of the Northwestern army had failed, the Western countries began to lose their hope of overthrowing Soviet power in Russia. This fact was used by the Estonian government which started preparations in November to continue peace talks with Moscow. The rapid conclusion of peace was essential because of the economic conditions of, of Estonia, as well as the military situation. The Red Army was once more about to attack the Estonian borders, while Estonians were exhausted by the war. As the other Baltic states did not agree to start joint peace talks, Estonia decided to go for a separate peace. Russia accepted the Estonian proposal. At the peace talks in Tartu, the Estonian delegation was headed by Jan Poska and the Russian side by Adolf Yoffe. The first stage of the discussions in December of 1919 aimed at agreeing to an armistice. Besides ending military activity, this had to provide both both sides with mutual recognition and define the future border line the discussions about the future borders between the two countries were the most heated as the bolsheviks claimed the whole of the petchory region and half of the viruma area up to kunda the failure of red army attacks at narva forced the russian diplomats to yield and on the 31st of december an armistice was signed which came into force on the 3rd of January, at 10.30 in the morning. The peace talks continued in the new year. This time, several economic questions were under discussion, such as the mutual debts of Estonia and Russia, the Estonia share of the gold reserves of Russia, the fate of property evacuated from Estonia to Russia, and so on. After a month of debate, the Estonian delegation had achieved quite a lot the Estonian financial debts to Russia were annulled. It was decided to pay Estonia a share of 15 million gold rubles from the Russian gold reserve, and the Bolsheviks promised to return to Estonia all the cultural treasures that had been removed to Russia, as well as to conclude a favorable economic agreements with Estonia. The peace treaty was signed on the first hour of the 2nd of February 1920. Estonia achieved a satisfactory borderline. Soviet Russia declared that it would definitely recognize the independence of Estonia and will give up forever every sovereign right Russia has ever had on the Estonian land and people. All Estonians residing in Russia received the right to return to their homeland, and the Soviet government disbanded the Estonian communist military units which had fought on the southern fronts of the Russian Civil War. The War of Independence, which had lasted for 402 days and had taken the lives of 3,600 Estonians, had ended in a complete victory. It was only now that Estonians received an opportunity to begin building the Estonian Republic, which had been proclaimed two years earlier.